Welcome to Pedagogue, a podcast about teachers talking writing. I'm your host, Shane Wood. In this episode, I talk with Elizabeth Bouquet about the history of writing centers, post-disciplinarity, the tension between chaos and order in writing center work, and writing creative nonfiction. Elizabeth Bouquet is professor of English and director of the Writing Center at Fairfield University in Fairfield, Connecticut. At Fairfield, Beth has held several faculty leadership and administrative positions, including Director of First Year Writing, Associate Dean, and Associate Vice President for Academic Affairs. She is the author of Nowhere Near the Line and Noise from the Writing Center and co-author of The Everyday Writing Center, a community of practice, all published by Utah State University Press. She served two terms as co-editor of the Writing Center Journal and is a two-time recipient of the IWCA Outstanding Research Award. She has additional interest in life writing, and her creative nonfiction has appeared in Full Grown People, The Bitter Southerner, 100 Word Story, and Dead Housekeeping. Beth, thanks so much for joining us. I was hoping you could give us a, a brief overview. This is a large task. A brief overview of the history of writing centers You actually write about this in Our Little Secret, which I would encourage everyone to read. Thanks, Shane. And first, let me just say, uh, it's great to be here. And thank you for uh, asking me to to be part of your wonderful podcast, um, which I really, I love and uh, and use a lot and love to use in my teaching, especially. So I just want to put a plug in for anybody who's listening that uh, these episodes are just um, they're just great for us and they're, they're great for our students too. So, um, you know, I think the question tracks, right? In that, you know, one of the things that, that we might think about when we start thinking about writing centers, and certainly it's a question that, that my students have is, um, how did writing centers come to be, right? And I guess to flip it a little bit, mostly the way that students say it to me is, I didn't even know there was this thing called writing centers, right? So students will come and they've used the writing center or they've been recommended to be a tutor or something. And they know that our university, Fairfield University has a writing center, but it's not a concept that they've sort of generalized to, oh, like this is a thing that exists lots of places. And I always find that interesting, right? Uh, especially because, of course, classrooms are completely generalizable, right? I mean, it's something that every student expects to encounter anywhere they're going to school. So the fact that writing centers are not something that is just part of the, the picture of being at a college or university is still a thing that I find, um, you know, interesting, curious, worth thinking about. Uh, That's how I got interested in the history of writing centers. I really think of myself as kind of an accidental historian because I'm not a particularly good historian. Um, And there are much, uh, there are other scholars who I think are much better Uh, to read in terms of writing center histories, certainly now, than I am. 
Um, I mean, you know, Neil Lerner, certainly as somebody who has a sort of the historical methods, you know, uh, and kind of the, the, the mind. Well, I'm not a particularly thorough researcher. I'm not an archivist. You know, my approach to the history of writing centers is, um, is, was just my own curiosity. The thumbnail that I can offer is when I started working on my dissertation, which was largely a history of writing centers, there really had been no written history of writing centers at the time. And because this was the early 90s, you could still read everything that anyone had written about writing centers. I mean, that would be very hard to do now if you could even do it, which is exciting. I mean, there's just so much work happening in so many different ways. But at the time, you know, I just decided that to focus a writing a dissertation on writing centers, I needed to get all the back issues of Writing Center Journal, all the back issues of Writing Lab Newsletter, read through the college Englishes, the three C's. And that was pretty much what you could do. <laughs> so, you know, my history of writing centers, as I represented it back in the 90s, was a first, a very preliminary first draft. So what I would say about how they started is, uh, well, different now, I guess, from what I said back then, um, because I feel like we have so much more to learn about um, how they started in particular places, you know, and that really um, requires more people looking at more institutions and, and, and thickening that description of the histories. I mean, when Harry Denny and I wrote a piece on historiographies, historical methods for writing centers, uh, some of what we do is try to suggest, you know, where those gaps are. I feel, I guess I would say a little uncomfortable now saying what the history of writing centers is because I wanna know more about what those histories look like at community colleges, for example what they look like at HBCUs, what they look like at HSIs, where I said they started in that article, in Our Little Secret, I think it provides some helpful signposts because I do think people could fairly read that article and say, um, well, what this person did is, is she looked at everything that had been published up until that time of 1999, and that's what we knew. Um, but now I think what we've started to see in other people's work and what I'd like to see more of is here's what wasn't published. You know, here's what was happening at this institution or at these types of schools. And, you know, then I think we'll really have some exciting, um, exciting additions to those histories. So just a brief follow up. You mentioned writing your dissertation on the history of writing centers. Is that where you first got interested or that you first knew about writing center work? I was an undergraduate peer tutor in the writing center at my undergraduate institution, which was Nichols State University in Thibodeau, Louisiana. I think you did a recent episode with uh, Gavin Johnson, who's another Nichols State alum. Uh, you know, Gavin and I are, are are many years apart in our time there, but we've we've connected over our our mutual Cajun roots. 
Uh, so yeah, I was I was an undergraduate English major. One of my professors said you'd make a great tutor, you know, kind of the same way that it sometimes happens now. And I became a writing center tutor. I think I am probably in our rec comp generation in like the early generation of undergrad peer tutors who then went on into rec comp programs. You know, a lot of the folks who were directing writing centers at the time that I uh, was working as a tutor were people who had, you know, lit PhDs or some other kind of PhDs. Um, so I think there's been some interesting generational moves, but I was an undergrad peer tutor. And I, I kind of continued those connections. I then was uh, a graduate student peer tutor um, in my doctoral program at Indiana University of Pennsylvania. So I worked in the writing center with uh, Ben Rafith, uh, which was just a, an absolute gift, you know, and uh, I got to, I think, for that graduate assistantship, I was two years in the writing center before I started teaching. So in that article, Our Little Secret, you write that the writing center is, quote, most interesting, end quote, to you because of its, quote, post-disciplinary possibilities, end quote. What do you mean by its post-disciplinary possibilities? When I wrote in Our Little Secret about the post-disciplinary possibilities, I think I probably would talk about them as transdisciplinary possibilities now. You know, at the time, I think I was searching for a way of um, capturing what to me is so exciting about Writing Center work, and that is what a great place it is for anybody who's curious who is interested in ideas, who wants to sit with people who are thinking through ideas, who wants to help them shape ideas. And I always think about one of my favorite quotes from one of my undergraduate peer tutors at Fairfield years ago, but it's just one of those that has stayed with me. Uh, when they were graduating, and they had been tutoring for a couple of years, um, so they had a lot of experience, and when they were graduating and reflecting on their time as a peer tutor, they said, I feel like I've taken every course at this university. And that strikes me as so true, right? You, If you have a four-hour stretch in the writing center, you might work with an incoming first year student in their first year writing seminar on an international studies capstone. You might work on a doctorate of nursing practice clinical report. I mean, it's unbelievable the view that tutors get into the teaching and learning at their institutions. I think it is just a wildly untapped resource. I think that it would blow most of my colleagues' minds if they had any idea how much our peer tutors know about students' experiences in their classes, especially learning in and around writing. I mean, I truly think you cannot comprehend it unless you 
sit in a writing center for a long time and just sink into it and watch it happen. So that's what I think, you know, if you're, if you're, I, I feel like this is my extrapolating, but I feel like if you're really deeply invested in disciplinarity, the writing center is probably not a great place for you. Um, but transdisciplinarity, um, I just don't think there's any better place at a university for it. In Noise from the Writing Center, you write, quote, if the writing center is to function as an apparatus of educational transformation, that order must develop out of chaos, not through the elimination of it. We must imagine a liminal zone where chaos and order coexist. And we would certainly do a service to ourselves, to our students, and to our institutions if we spent as much time championing the chaos of the writing center as we do championing the order, end quote. Can you talk more about the tension between chaos and order in the writing center and perhaps the necessity of chaos to writing center work? Yeah, I think that that quote is right around or in some way connected to uh, the part of the book where I'm writing about a history of writing centers as a kind of cleanup service, you know, as a, as a grammar checker, you know, come, come make the paper um, neat and orderly type service, which is certainly a part of the history that I was absolutely challenging and, and would continue to challenge and still would challenge. So, uh, yeah, I think just to contextualize that order out of chaos and and especially, you know, at a moment like this one where we're obviously, you know, we've all had a lot of chaos in our lives in this past year. And I, I know we would all agree that that no one needs more chaos right now um, and certainly not students. You know, I would I would bracket that as we think about this quote at this moment. Still, I think the basic, I, I would stand by the basic sentiment, which is that creativity, curiosity, these are uh, not linear processes and they're, they're messy. And often students are uh, students equate, you know, messiness with wrongness when it comes to academics, you know, um, not every student and not all the time, but I'm going mean, to make a generality for the purposes of exploring this kind of quote, uh, that part of what I think we can do in the writing center is engage the pleasure of um, exploration when we don't always know where it's going to wind up, you know, let's listen. Let's let's be curious about what we're hearing. Let's just, you know, let's just brainstorm a little bit and maybe this will go nowhere and that's fine. You know, there's there's no pressure for it to go anywhere. I'm not your teacher. I'm not your, you know, you leave here and if you don't want this in your paper, it doesn't go in your paper um, or your project or whatever you're working on. So I think that in the time since uh, noise was written, we've come a long way really in, in working with students and um, 
just in working pedagogically, I hope, in ways that um, allow for more breathing room in our intellectual processes. But at the time, um, you know, the Writing Center, the justification in lots of different zones for writing centers was to try to trend toward an uh, improvement imperative. I'm thinking about Timothy Alexiak's recent work on slow peer review that was in, in C's, right? Um, I mean, the improvement imperative in writing centers was pretty strong. I think we've moved, we've complicated that certainly in the past couple of decades. Um, but I think we need to continue to remind people that we need to interrogate that improvement uh, imperative more and that writing centers are places that are routinely positioned to interrogate that improvement imperative. I'm thinking about the writing center as a space for curiosity and creativity, traits that you've mentioned. And I'm also thinking about other characteristics like the writing center as a place to brainstorm, to listen and respond to really engage with peers. Thinking about these attributes and values, how has the Writing Center transformed your teaching or your approach to teaching writing? I had, I had so much time in Writing Centers before I ever got into a classroom. <laughs> That's very hard for me to, I, it's hard for me to really think about how it influenced my teaching in a certain way, right? Because I can't imagine myself as a teacher without imagining my entry into teaching being this deeply situated one-to-one -one work with writers, right? Um, so on the one hand, I kind of have no idea you know, but on the other hand, I mean, I think what I can say is um, that, you know, on my best teaching days or in my best uh, framing of teaching work, what my connection to Writing Center allows for is just a deeply responsive pedagogy and a pedagogy that fundamentally is about trusting students and listening to students. I think that's, I think that's absolutely influenced by my commitment to writing centers. I think probably the drawback is that, uh, you know, one of my, one of my uh, colleagues once described me as a threshold teacher. And I said, please don't give, don't even name what this is, which is like, I call it the audible, you know, like no matter what plans I have for how a class day is going to go, I get into the class and it's like all bets are off, you know, anything could happen. I want to hear from you. I want it. So it's very hard for me to really plan. And especially some of the long range, like semester long planning that I see people doing it's very hard for me to plan a class before I have met the students, which is of course imperative. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a lot of class preparation that happens before you meet your class. Um, but, you know, 
so that, I mean, that's a weakness. <laughs> um, and it's something I work on. It's something that I struggle with. But I think it's really born out of the fact that my strengths are sitting down with somebody who comes in with basically an exigence, right? And, and then puzzling through that and identifying some steps. Um, so as I work through my own courses, you know, I try to, I have tried over time to respond to um, uh, the structure that many students want and need and deserve by really thinking about it as, as what Pat Hoy calls an enabling constraint, you know, um, uh, that we need that. And then figuring out how to, how to keep and retain the responsiveness in there as well. You also write creative nonfiction, Beth. How do you see your interest in creative nonfiction as connected to the work you do as a writing center director? In some ways, I think it's as connected to my teaching, um, but maybe it's, or, or, and or it's probably both. When I started uh, as a beginning assistant professor and had to figure out how I was going to manage my teaching and my research and my service and my administration and get tenure, uh, one of the things I, I started doing was making sure that anytime students were writing, I was writing. And often I would start with their prompts in other words, the prompts that they were working on. And, you know, then I would kind of morph them into something that would work for me. I didn't really, I didn't really realize at the time that I was calling forth some of my experiences with the National Writing Project. Um, some of that was at Mississippi, right? Because I don't know if it's still at, at USM, if there's still a, a you know, Southern Mississippi writing project there, but it was when I was there and I, I did some work uh, at USM on the Mississippi writing project. Now I actually work a lot with the Connecticut writing project. So there's a writing project element into how it informed my writing with students always, but that was also just part of a strategic way of getting my writing done uh, while teaching and while doing all the other things. So I, I didn't quite realize that it was going to become such an important part of my writerly identity to do my own creative nonfiction writing or to kind of wrap these creative nonfiction elements into my scholarly writing. But it has really been about um, being a companion you know, um, with the students that I'm working with, um, and also how they have accompanied me, you know, in my ability to continue to write. So there's a companionship element to it. That's a key, Fairfield University is a, is a Jesuit school, so that's a key Ignatian principle, is this idea that you walk with people, right? Um, so, I started to really understand it as part of a process of companionship. And I 
certainly the more I was the director and the farther I got away from um, my own personal tutoring experience, the more I missed some of the true peerness that happens in a writing center. So I think the creative nonfiction piece has been a way of being a companion, even as I'm, you know, very far from the peerness of, of my students now in a lot of ways. I also think I had just great, great models. Um, I mean, one of the people who was, who was writing just a little ahead of me as I was in grad school is, is Nancy Welch, who has always uh, done that work and, and just done it so magnificently. So when I started, as I was reading, I just found the work of the people that I found compelling. Nancy was certainly one. Um, Richard Miller is another one. Um, and my own dissertation director, Claude Hurlbert, is very much in the tradition of my own graduate work too. Um, and it's really just continued from there. Thanks, Beth. And thank you, Pedagog listeners and followers. Until next time.